What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. I'm Howard Bender, and yeah, that's right, Adam Ronis still on vacation. The red carpet of superstars in the fantasy industry, or just, you know what, just the red carpet of superstars, rolled out here for this show. Today, I bring you the one, the only, his name is Michael Edge, but you guys all know him as the uh, the Fantasy Stoner. That's right, at Fantasy FB Stoner. Bringing the heat here, as always. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Thanks for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Obviously, uh, filling Adam's shoes is, is a tough thing to do. But, uh, I mean, what is he doing? Traveling the world? Is he on a 37-day cruise? Where I don't know if it's at? a 37-day cruise, but I do know that he is traveling. So oh, where well, he ends up, him, man. who the hell knows? But you know what? You can actually fill his shoes because I'll just I'll start off right here. Adam Rohn is diehard Mets fan. Diehard Mets yeah, fan. Okay? I know. That's probably the reason I started following him on Twitter, I think, because Jen, Jen Piacenti told me he was a Mets fan. All right. Well, I've been fighting with Mets fans all day today. All day. And uh, and so I don't know. Maybe you can help shed some light uh, on what the hell is wrong with this ridiculously stupid fan base. I wrote an article over on FantasyAlarm.com today, just talking about the fact that as a fantasy owner, okay, first of all, I don't think that the Mets are handling him properly. Okay, I think that they, they you know, running him out there every five days when he's, you know, when he was twice removed early. Because of uh, of of shoulder or elbow discomfort, you know. I mean, this guy is. I mean, what he's doing is insane right now. Nobody can touch him. He is absolutely, without a doubt, the best pitcher in baseball. So why push it right now? Here in the month of June, why not? You know, keep him healthy, keep him ready, and and leave it at that. That's from the real baseball standpoint. From the the fantasy standpoint. I said it was so great to see him throw those five innings because if you are concerned about Jacob deGrom, because where there's smoke, there's usually fire, all right? Him throwing five innings during his start on Monday was the best thing that could have happened because you can now trade him for fair value. You can trade him for Fernando Tatis. You can com- you can demand that somebody turns over you, Darvish, and Matt Olson for you, right? Like that's... That's what what a great outing was for him. I mean, if he went three innings and he was like, oh, I can't go on anymore, well, then you're fucked. But, you know, that's that's the crux of the article here. And Mets fans coming at me hot here, Edge, coming at me hot, and they're pissing me off. Well, I think the first thing is that you're a Yankees fan, right? Yes. So obviously there's always going to be a little bit of headbutting there. But I think the problem is, we are always cautiously optimistic. So when things are good, we we are riding that train really hard. And if and if something is perceived as being negative, then then we're gonna we're gonna attack. At least the dumb ones are. But like you said, you're writing an article from a fantasy perspective, and they're receiving it as a real life baseball situation. And anyone with half a brain knows that you're not trading Jacob DeGrom if you're the Mets. But my fantasy team, it's called the DeGrominators. If I'm in a position to acquire a Tatis or a couple players to fill some spots, 
I might be willing to move him to, to fill those holes. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know how it is. The Mets have, have struggled for so long. Even the World Series in 2015, they lost to Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City was just obviously the better team that year. Uh, but this year, we're we're in first place. We're excited. We're happy. And so when someone's talking smack, or at least we think they're talking smack about our dude, we got to get out there and throw hands. But I love how you started the whole conversation, just going right into saying he, as if you were talking about God. Because at this point, Jacob deGrom, for as minimal innings as he's thrown out there, is a baseball god. You mentioned, you know, if he had went out and thrown three innings to, and you'd have a hard time trading him, that was the last start, right? I believe his last start, he left after three innings. So yeah. I mean, you're right. There is a history coming even this, this season alone that he's been, he's been missing some time. So from a baseball perspective, I thought it would have been smart for them to sit him. But I'm curious if, if the other injuries they've had in their rotation and amongst the team – and maybe it's Jacob DeGrom himself who's kind of saying, hey, I'm good to go. But we got to remember what happened with Matt Harvey back in the day. You know, they overused him when, when he was just coming back from surgery. And he hasn't been the same since, even though Scott Boris came out and tried to defend him. And everybody bashed Scott Boris, Met fans, me included, bashed Scott Boris saying, step off, dude, let our, let our team manage this. So maybe our, maybe our team doesn't always know the right thing so I think you're right I think they should have given him some time off maybe if they weren't losing Stroman this time and losing so many other players they might actually have that opportunity but I agree with you the Mets fans can be um, a little charm and soft sometimes but <laughs> I think it, it it was more about perception and and the way that they read your article as you know being about real baseball rather than just fantasy baseball well, I'm sure. Listen, I, I'm sure if I uh, wrote about real baseball for um, for for the Mets, I'm sure that they would find a way to be pissed off about that too. I, you know, it's so funny, man. You know, I mean, you want to talk about charm and soft? Uh, Move from New York to to San Francisco, and and I actually I started a a Giants blog when I was out here, and that was like 2007 when Tim Lincecum won his uh, his second Cy Young, and all of a sudden you started to you know, start looking at some of the declining peripherals that were happening. Then all of a sudden I turn around and I'm like, man, I think the Giants should trade Tim Lincecum right now, get some value for him, kind of start things over. Dude, people out here went nuts, went bonkers. Yeah, they're, fuck you, you're an asshole, you don't know what you're talking about. Why don't you go back to New York and learn about baseball? I mean, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. So, you know, I, I think that the Giants fans and, and Mets fans are, are kind of similar in the sense that these are teams that have massive inferiority complexes that shouldn't be. I mean, listen, the Giants, they won the World Series in 2010, 12 and 14. And yet still their biggest uh, the, 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 the biggest thing that they wanted to do was show up the Dodgers. Like that was that was every fan's dream was to show up the Dodgers. Like, dude, you just won three World Series in five years. I think you can kind of not worry about what the Dodgers are doing or care about or anything like that. And you know what? I feel like that's the same thing with Mets fans. I think that they are second fiddle in New York is on a regular basis. And I think that, that that's what, what p- puts the fans on tilt so much for 
legit no reason. No reason. This is not an organization that has a history of handling their their pitching staff well with medicals, right? Do you remember when um because you, you, you're you're of of my generation. I mean, you're probably a little younger than me, but you're gonna say Generation K, aren't you? Right. I'm talking like uh, what was it? It was Isringhausen, Pulsifer, and Wilson. And Paul Wilson. Yeah, I I'm old enough to have had that poster hanging on my bedroom wall. Oh my God! Right? Did it just become like a spooge target for you after the fact? It was like, come on! It, 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 that lasted like a month, though. I don't think they were really in the rotation together that long. And Isringhausen, he ended up as a good closer. Paul Wilson had a couple good years as a starter for the for the Cincinnati Reds, I think. And then Pulsifer didn't do much until I'm pretty sure he was out to out west there in Oakland before he actually turned it around. So. Yeah, the, the notion was that they were going to be the next coming. But look at, I mean, just like the Mets with, it was supposed to be Wheeler, Syndergaard, and DeGrom, and even even Steven Matt. Like, just, and that's more recent than Generation K. So, yeah, the team has a history of not handling injuries very well. And it's it's scary to watch because, you know, the the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, right? So. If if these guys are consistently getting hurt, then somebody's consistently not doing their job properly. Yeah, there are there are a number of trainers who definitely need to be fired. Definitely need to be fired, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so talk to me here. Let's let's introduce you to because uh, now that I'm I, listen, I could berate Mets fans all day long, and you know that's. I actually brought you on here because, I mean. I didn't realize that's why you brought me on here, because you wanted to beat down a Mets fan. But I'll take the lumps for the spot. Dude, I had no idea you were a Mets fan. I Listen, when when you and I were first introduced, you were living out here in, in Southern California, right? You knew um, one, of the, one of the head partners over at Fantasy Alarm. Um, and I think he was like, yeah, this, you know, I, I spoke to him and. You know, he follows you on Twitter. You should check him out, blah, blah, blah. I mean, everybody knows that, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of treating uh, glaucoma preventatively and uh, smoking the herb. Uh, so Absolutely. I think, that, you know, the, the whole fantasy stoner thing kind of came about where, uh, where he thought that you and I would, uh, would totally hit it off. And, and I, I feel like we did. So, um, you know, we've known each other for a little while on the, uh, on the interwebs for a little bit, but. You know, I'd say we've gotten uh, closer recently with our our latest endeavor, which we'll get to in a second here. But uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, I do like long walks on the beach. No, actually, I was <laughs> born, born and raised in Jersey. Like you said, I moved out to California in, in 07. I actually went back to school and graduated from USC in 2018. And in May, when I graduated, that's when I was I started messing around on the on the Twitter machine, uh, looking at you know fantasy Twitter and realizing that there was a huge community there. So, you know, one of my guilty not so guilty pleasures is to consume cannabis in Southern California. I mean, California in general, best place in the world for that. But there was nobody really doing that in the fantasy space. There was no you know stoner type fantasy football brand. So I said to hell with it. I'm going to I'm going to be that guy. Uh so I created that in March or May of 2018. Um and it kind of started taking off pretty quickly. I mean, 
it was more or less just to have some fun. I didn't really think there would be, you know, I didn't really know what to expect of it. Um, and then people start following you and you're like, Oh, this is cool. And then, you know, people ask you to come on podcasts and start writing articles. And I'm like, wait, is this, is this how this works? I didn't realize it was just the, it was the common thing that everybody does. And now I'm just kind of, kind of sitting back and it's been a few years and things are a little different than the, than the space used to be. But, you know, in real life, I'm, uh, I've got two sons. I'm, I'm, I work a job at a media company, uh, managing digital marketing stuff. So I don't know. I, I like watching true crime. I like drinking whiskey, obviously like smoking cannabis. So, and here we are. And, and honestly, I could rightfully say that we probably never really talked much about baseball because we're always talking about football stuff. So, you know, unless, you know, you kind of glazed over the fact, maybe I mentioned I was a Met fan. My account is a Dom Smith uh, fan account. I do love me some Dominic Smith. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've always just talked about football. So baseball just kind of never came up until – just right now, literally today. You were literally <laughs> just right now before we even like went live and recording this sucker. Um, I, yeah, I had no clue that you were a, a Mets fan because here's the thing, like, you know, and, and when I think when you told me that you were from Jersey the first time I was like, first of all, I was like, Oh, okay. So this makes a lot more sense now, right? You got that East coast attitude, that East coast flavor, that you know, Southern California just doesn't doesn't have. Northern California's got even less, but um, yeah. but you're also you're a, you're a huge Niners fan. Like how how did you end up a huge Niners? Were you a front runner as a kid? No, of course not. I mean, you know, you got. I was the black sheep of the family, so my family all likes the Phillies. I grew up 20 minutes from Philly. I was actually named after Mike Schmidt and Greg Lazinski. That's my middle name. Apologies for my little puppies yapping in the background. They must see a squirrel or something. But I was, so I was named after two Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, I had a, I had a neighbor whose dad grew up in Queens and was a Mets fan. So, you know, we had WWOR channel nine, you know, WPIX channel 11 showing the Yankees. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to have access to, to all of those channels as a kid. And I was kind of drawn to the Mets. I really liked Ralph Kiner and, Tim McCarver as the announcers, uh, the orange and blue, and then having, you know, the older kid that was teaching me to play baseball outside with his dad. They were both Mets fans. So it kind of, that just kind of led into me, you know, eschewing the Phillies to the side and being the black sheep of the family. For the Niners, my, my grandma used to always tell me a story, 1981, Dwight Clark, the catch. She was bartending at an Italian-American club and the cable or whatever went out or the TV broke or something. So one of the guys walked across the street to his house and brought his own TV over, plugged it in. And, you know, I've heard that story from her a million and one times. And, you know, the Niners were good back then. So we were lucky enough to see them on TV all the time. So I was kind of drawn to Montana. And he went to Notre Dame which, you know, everybody around here seemed to love Notre Dame back in the day. <laughs> so, you know, sure, it would it would appear like I may have been a front runner, but to be a ride-or-die Mets fan, I've lived through probably more heartache than 
you know, 90% of the sports teams in this, in this country. So, um, you know, I was a kid, I was a kid that just wanted to pick his own teams and not, and not be that guy that just went with the hometown Philly teams. That's what I get. That's what I get for being the black sheep of the family. Believe me, nothing wrong with that. I got, I got an older brother who's a doctor and a younger sister who's a doctor. Guess who the black sheep of the family is? My, my brother's got his PhD in history. So, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I feel like my sports, you know, excitement and enjoyment, it really peaked a long time ago. I haven't had a championship in, in quite some time. So I'm just waiting. Still, well, still yeah. waiting. Still waiting. Absolutely. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you a question, though. Sure. You're a Jets fan. That's, that's not that. That's not the whole question, but you're a Jets fan, right? <laughs> yeah. And typically, your Jet fans are Mets fans, also, no? Or, or is that just a common misconception? No, that's actually that. That is what it is. Like Yankees and Giants, uh, Mets and Jets uh, were kind of the way it was because, um, you know, it was. Uh, I think the way it was set up was because the Mets were the Jets were playing out in Shea Stadium, and the Mets were. Uh, obviously playing out there as well uh, before the Jets moved to the Meadowlands. So it kind of unified everybody there. Um, my dad, well, he grew up in Queens, so he was a, he was a big Jets fan uh, over there. But his dad was like, I believe his dad was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, might have even been a New York Giants fan. Um, and my dad was like that a-hole kid who just picks a team against what his dad likes because he's because he's like that and so yeah so he ended up rooting for the yankees just to piss off his father um and me i mean it was just you know growing up with the yankees i mean my god you know when you're when you're when you're seven eight nine ten years old and it's like it's the late 70s and the yankee teams there are just absolutely insane and winning championships and just you know having all that swag that was uh, that was enough to to lure me in there. Games at Yankee Stadium were um, absolutely fantastic. I grew up you know like six subway stops away from the stadium, so I try to get up there as much as I possibly could. Um, I think the Jets are my penance for being a Yankees fan. <laughs> it's fair. You got to keep it even, Steven, right? Right, like a, like a yin yang sort of a thing. Yeah, no doubt. So, makes sense. It makes sense. I, I don't. What do you think about what the Jets have done? I like what they did in the offseason. Um. Yeah. Listen. They they have a they have a plan, and they they're sticking to it. And I might not agree with the you know with with the draft picks the way they they unfolded, but. You know, listen, I, I, I have respect for, for Joe Douglas as a GM. I think he's quality. I think I think he felt obligated to to hold on to Gase really last year because it was Gase who was part of the team that, you know, brought him in as the general manager. I don't know why they gave Gase any kind of power there, but I feel like Joe Douglas sort of felt obligated to him. But now that, you know, he was like such an easy fire – um, from last year. Now I think Joe Douglas is really putting his stamp and his mark on the Jets right now. Um, for better or for worse, though, he's taking a shot, and and I can't go against anybody who's taken their shot. 
100%. And you took the Niners defensive coordinator who's done a fantastic job for the last few years. So we'll see if he brings a different kind of energy to the team. Cause he is, he seems like a fantastic dude that people love. So we'll see how that goes. I, I, I think Salah's is great because I do think, I do believe that he is also, he is as good a coach as he is a motivator, right? 100%. You, know, you got to get a, get a guy like, like Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards was a fantastic motivator. Shitty coach. Fantastic yep. motivator. So I think Salah's got, you know, that that whole, you know, kind of thing going on. What about you guys? I mean, you know, with, with the way the 49ers are, are built right now, I mean, how do you see this QB situation panning out? You've got, you know, you, you traded up. Like, I mean, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, how do you feel walking into the season knowing – that the team traded up specifically to take Trey Lance. It's got to be pissed, right? I mean, regardless of what he says on camera and, and the perception that he gives everyone, I'm pissed off if I'm, if I'm James Garoppolo at that point. Because, look, I, I know that he's had trouble staying healthy and he has had some injuries in the past and missed a lot of games, but he wins games when he plays. Took him to the Super Bowl. Um, minutes within eight minutes of winning a Super Bowl. Granted, the defense had a lot to do with it. The running game was outstanding, but he was the leader on the field when the offense was out there. He was the guy. So I think it's probably his job to lose right now. But there's something that they really like with this Trey Lance kid. He's got some zip on the ball. He can make some throws that people can't, and he brings a, another dimension like Cam Newton did with his running game. Um, so I, I think that I worry that James Garoppolo, I don't want to call him Jimmy anymore because he's like a grown man. I feel like, you know what, it's time to grow up, you put up or shut up. So let's stop calling you Jimmy. Let's call him James. So I'm tweaking that up a little bit. I'm trying to make that happen. But I feel, I worry that he's <laughs> going to get, that he's going to get, you know, Alex Smith and he's going to miss a game with a sprained ankle. And Trey Lance is going to come in and be a monster, and then he's never going to get his job back. But, you know, he's got to go out there and play like he's auditioning for, you know, 31 other teams because he's not over the hill. He's got plenty of years left in him, and there are a number of teams that still could use a franchise quarterback like the Washington football program. I mean, maybe the Steelers, if, if Haskins doesn't pan out, which I would bet against just based on what I've seen, the Denver Broncos could probably use a guy unless Drew Locke becomes what they thought he would be. So, I mean, there are teams out there that are going to need a guy. So he just has to go out there and play and not look behind him. Because look, Trey Lynch just turned 21. The kid just became legal to buy alcohol a few weeks ago. He still has a lot to learn. But to your point about them trading up, I mean, how many teams have we seen in the past trade such a large haul for a guy and not play him? Right. Well, that's you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, I, I like your your notion that you know Garoppolo gets hurt. By the way, I've been calling him Jimmy Grape since he busted into the league. But I tried to get that to stick. I think I'm the only person. Like I've I've had people like hit me up on Twitter. They're like, who who's Jimmy Grapes? I'm like, come on, really? 
I like Jimmy Graves. That's not so bad. He sounds like a mobster. He looks like he could be a mobster too. Right? Exactly. You know, but but then yet he's also got those soft, gentle eyes. So you know, it confuses you. You give him the you give him the mob mobster name, but you know he's got those kind eyes, and you're like, I I don't know whether to be afraid of this guy or not. He reminds me of Christopher Moltisanti in that in that in that regard. I feel like Chris <laughs> Chris had kind eyes on The Sopranos. Chris had kind eyes. <laughs> he certainly did. <laughs> so, look, all I want to do is have my team win football games. So whichever one of those guys is going to give them better the better chance of doing that. And I I, I feel like it's Jimmy to start, Jimmy Grapes to start, and you know he goes down. And Lance comes in. Sure, I just think it's his job to lose right now. Yeah, I know. I'll agree with that. I definitely will agree with that. I, but I do. I like the notion better of of Garoppolo getting banged up as opposed to being benched for for poor play or or something like that. Because I, I you know, listen, I don't think that he's a terrible quarterback, and I agree with you. I think he'll definitely end up with a with a different landing spot. And there are a number of teams. Uh, you know, looking for him. I know the rumor mill really uh, had wondering whether or not he was going to end up back in New England. But you know, all things being equal, I think that uh, that that Garoppolo is good enough to maintain a job in the NFL. It's just going to be a matter of where and which system, and he's got to land somewhere where you know uh, the coach can play to his strengths. I like Shanahan for him in this offense. I like the run first. I'm just. You know, I, I just think that it's, um, you know, I, I don't think that he's the, the 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 type of guy really that Shanahan wants. I think Shanahan wants uh, something a little different. Yeah, he likes the mobility. But I look at the Dolphins last year. They were playing well with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And then they decided to just give two of the shot. And, and that clearly ended up being a mistake. So I kind of hope that they take that into account. And don't just jump the gun and, and throw Trey Lance in there for no reason. If you're winning games and Jimmy's doing well, there's no reason to take him out of there. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, it's funny. I think that, you know, Flores right from the get-go last year, I think before the season even started, he said, I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, but if like right around, well, I don't even know what it was, week six, week seven, week eight. Whatever it was, it, it was just it was it was a surprise that they were going to Tua to the point where you just figured, well, this was this was Flores's plan the entire time, and it was just a matter of regardless of what Fitzpatrick is doing, this kid's supposed to be the future of our franchise, um, and we need to get him, you know, on the field. We need to, you know, see if if this is really going to be uh, our leader. I mean, you know, and, and I think that's you know one of the reasons why he didn't hesitate to pull. Tua in those two starts when he was just like, well, now it's the playoffs year, so playtime's over, kid. We we need the the real deal, and they switch back to Fitzpatrick, even though it never really worked out. For sure, but you make a valid point. I mean, they did have all those draft picks too, so maybe it was a matter of seeing if if Tua is going to be able to go out there and potentially be the guy, or if we're going to use one of these millions of, of first round picks on another one of these quarterbacks coming out. It's going to be interesting to watch. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch. Now, 
you know, I invited you here on the uh, on the Annie Up podcast because I wanted to talk to you about, or just you know, kind of tell everybody a little bit about how you and I have partnered up. So I'll tell you what we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick time out. We're gonna uh, let we're gonna pay a couple of bills here, uh, and on the other side, Stoner and I are gonna talk about what is the next big fantasy thing. All right, we're back here. Annie Up Podcast, Howard Bender, joined here by the fantasy stoner himself, Michael Edge. Uh, Michael, you and I, um, we got together. Well, you actually came to me. You brought to me. So, I mean, I, I, I feel honored that you you brought this to me and, and with what we've got going on. So let's share it to the, uh, with, with the Annie Up audience here. What is the next big fantasy thing? I did bring it to you. I felt like you would enjoy the idea more than most. And I think you, you were, you were equally as excited as I was when I came up with it. Next big fantasy thing is a reality, a web-based reality show that is going to essentially find who is the next big or potentially could be the next big fantasy football analyst. Uh, The idea is that we want to grab 12 people, 12 unknowns, and give them a platform to become known, to build their brand, to compete against each other in a, a fantasy football league, while also um, having a, a weekly series of challenges brought to them by some of the bigger names and mentors in the industry, doing things like writing articles, uh, doing podcasts, things of that sort. Um, the idea is basically to chronicle more like a documentary style diary where you're talking about your waiver claims and why you're making who you're doing and things of that nature. But I don't know. The idea for me was to just do something different than what is being done right now. I think a lot of people are doing the same things. And, you know, a lot of these ideas because there aren't too many of them are just being regurgitated over and over. Like we talked about when you were asking me to introduce myself, it was, everyone's writing articles and everyone's doing rankings and everyone's doing podcasts and those things are great, but I feel like there's only so many things that people are doing that are setting them apart and, and, you know, separating them from the crowd, if that makes sense. Um, So it makes complete sense. So I brought it to you because I mean, I know that, that not only are you, you're always seemingly willing to communicate and, and get into discussions with people. And you seem like you'd be interested in, in helping someone get to that next level. And clearly you're in a position where you've been at the bottom and now you're here. So why I, I had to bring it to someone who I felt like had the right personality and would have the right passion for it. And, uh, you know, I already had BJ Levin, who loved the idea behind it. So it was stupid to not find somebody else to, to get on board. And, and now here we are. Um, but I remember you telling me how excited you were when I, when I first brought the idea to you, I think I ruined your whole weekend. Um, you, you, it's so funny. You, you kind of did ruin my whole weekend because all I kept doing was thinking about that. I don't even remember what the hell I was supposed to be doing. What was it? It was like, was it, was it, was it the Roto start Wars, of the baseball it? season? Was it Roto Wars or whatever that was called? Oh, Tout Wars. That's right. Yeah, tout it was Wars. the whole yeah, tout, tout Wars weekend. 
Oh, that's right. It was. So it was, it was right before the baseball season. Tout Wars weekend. I had all these broadcasts to do and all I wanted to do for, for fantasy baseball. And all I wanted to do was fucking talk fantasy football. And, and you know, it's kind of funny because, and, and I'll definitely credit you uh, right here, right now with this, but you know, I've, I've always been more of a baseball guy than a football guy. And, and I understand that, you know, Sirius XM and the industry that football drives the bus, but you know, it was like, it felt weird talking football so heavily in April and May and June, you know, while baseball's going on and there's, you know, and, and, and just, I'm so neck deep in that and whatever, but like it was you who brought this to me before the baseball season actually started. Um, and it just, it got me so unbelievably jazzed about the football season this, uh, you know, like this year that it was like, it made my draft coverage for fantasy alarm better. It made, uh, you know, jumping into the best balls, just transitioning the show from baseball to, you know, to, to all foot, you know, to some football, to eventually all football. So, I mean, this idea, I love this idea because this is, you know, this is, this is big brother meets the league, right? Like that. Absolutely. I think that was, that was like the example that you might've given me, like yeah, trying that's, to that's decide what like about. what yeah. this project was. Yeah. I mean, it started as just, just kind of an idea in my head that, that, you know, I'm tired of, people asking questions, who should I start A or B? But there's really no thought process behind it. You know, you're not telling anybody really why on a Sunday morning you're picking this guy over that guy. But, you know, for me, I sit here and I set my lineups and I talk it out. I, I find myself literally having conversations with myself, just like in the league when those guys are setting their own lineups. So who am I starting in the flex? What the hell? Why should I start this guy over this guy? So why not videotape that and kind of kind of give everybody a an office style documentary behind the scenes look? And it, that's what that's when it started. It all started clicking. And I don't know. I didn't I didn't know why I knew you were the right guy for it. And I apologize for ruining tout wars. But I'm glad that I could <laughs> you know could relight that football fire because you're right. It it, it gets tiring, and you know a lot of people in this off season or it's just the same stuff being said and the same conversations being had and everybody's trying to get you into best balls and startup leagues. And you're just like, all right, dude, I need a break. You need to take a football break. So I feel like for you, baseball was a great thing, but now you can, you can sprinkle this football in because it's not the same stuff that we've been doing before. No, and that's the thing. And I have to do, you know, listen, I check the boxes, right? Draft guide, draft coverage, you know, articles, whatever. I mean, I'm running the, you know, I'm running the content department over at Fantasy Alarm. So I have to do certain things. Yeah, this as a, uh, as a, as a side project has been, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it is exciting because I, and I'll tell you what, man, one of the things that I do try to pride myself on in this industry is being somebody who, does like to nurture talent. And, you know, for me, it's about, you know, my, you know, my legacy in life isn't, you know, Oh, is that dude was great on radio, man. He was pretty funny and he helped me win my fantasy championship. No, I want to build that, that team, you know, that it's like the start of the coaching tree um, of, of, you know, analysts who are growing, who, 
you know, understand the grind of what it takes and put in the time and put in the effort and put in the energy and, you know, heart, you know, build them up to reach that next level and, and to become that. Yeah. Listen, it's 20 years in the business, you know, for me to, to, uh, and I still, to this day, it's like, it's funny, like, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself, you know, famous or whatever like that. And I, you know, I still don't even consider myself like an old timer in the industry, but apparently I am. Um, and, and I just have to, at some point kind of accept that, you know, I don't want to, but like this, this whole project here, <laughs> the next big fantasy thing, this is great for that because yeah, this is what, you know, we're, we're making, you know, we're, we're, we're taking something. It's an, it's an industry that's so super saturated with, with people who really don't put the f- substance behind it. It's all about hot takes and whatever. There's no understanding of the game of football like this, what we're doing here, you know, we're listening to the processes of, of, of 12 people who want to be somebody in this industry who want to, you know, take that next level. So it does, it teaches people to be better fantasy players because you're seeing the process, but at the same time, you're also, you're increasing the exposure of 12 analysts who we'll see, you know, by the end of the whole thing, by the end of the the football season, we'll see who is, you know, the, the type of person to stay connected, to, you know, step up when it's needed to be stepped up and to really like push through on all of this. Uh, and who isn't? And even if you don't win the, the 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 whole thing, right? You still you've just gotten mad crazy exposure. And there are going to be people out there who hire who are going to be like, dude, saw you on that show. You were great. You should have won. I want to give you a job at my site. And you're going to end up seeing that. And that's you know one of, that was one of the hu- biggest aspects of this um, of your idea. That really just really hooked me in. And that's kind of, you know, how I see it, because there are a lot of people on Twitter who don't have a large following and they are really good at what they do. Um, And like you mentioned, we're going to see 12 different people give their takes on how they're doing their process. And we could literally see 12 different processes. I mean, it is fantasy football it doesn't it, it's not all black and white it's not all xyz i mean you're going to have people that are analytical you're going to have the film people and you might have people that mix a little bit of both and then you're going to have wild cards that are just doing things for the sake of doing things but to your other point 12 people are going to be able to build their brand they're going to get a chance to grow their platform whereas maybe they weren't before because you know, Twitter and Instagram and especially Twitter, it's it's a weird space these days. I think we've we've had more than one conversation about that. It seems like it doesn't matter how, how good you are, um, how good your content is or, or whatever, it really matters just how nice you are. So if you're if you're if you're not as nice and people don't like you but you're really good at what you do, don't be an idiot. Submit your video. I mean, we're still taking over probably for another week, maybe even longer, um, you know, submit your five minute video, be creative. Um, if I can give some advice, don't just, don't just sit there and, and talk about it while you're driving in your car. Um, you know, add a little, <laughs> add a little spice in there. Get, 
is that at the end of the day, we want we want somebody that sticks out. We want somebody that's going to be able to be entertaining. We don't want just you know wet mops in the Zoom chat, you know, doing trade discussions, but but not really having fun with it. Because truly, at the end of the day, we are still playing a game. Fantasy football is a game, and it is meant to be fun. But if you can if you can get you know something out of make a career out of doing something you love, then they say it's not really work, right? Uh, that's a hundred percent correct. If uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sit here. It's so funny. I'll sit here. I, I cranked out an article today, you know, like I was saying before about the whole Jacob Degrom thing, and that, that that's my job. Love it. Thank you. Having a great time. So, yeah, if you guys want to, if anybody out there is listening in here and, and is interested in this, it's uh, uh, it's it's basically it's a five minute video selling yourself as to why you should be on this show. Um, and, you know, the, the grand prize, you know, there's you, it's not just about because what you're going to do is you're going to like 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 he said, you're talking about weekly challenges like creating a podcast, creating a video, writing an article, um, you know, what, what, you know, conduct an interview. There, there's different challenges um, that mentors will be giving out each week to help you guys along. And so you compete with those challenges. We score you on how you do in those challenges. But there's also the aspect that all 12 of you are competing in a fantasy league together. So who wins that league? Uh, I'm not going to say whoever wins that league is going to win the the grand prize, but uh, you know I'm sure that we're going to be weighing that uh, you know your fantasy football prowess uh, as well. So five minute video why you think you can you should be the next big fantasy thing. Uh, the uh, email address is simple. It's one word. Here it is: the next big fantasy thing at gmail.com. All right, uh, and, and just five minute video. It took a while for us to come up with that email address, in case you didn't know. <laughs> we fought about it for a while. We were like, should we use the in front of it? Um, I wanted, you know, I wanted to spell fantasy with a ph, you know, kind of thing. But you were like, no, 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 that's kind of stupid. <laughs> it reminded me too much of the Philly fanatic, and we've already talked about my disdain for the Philly, so there was no chance of that happening. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. But yeah, there it is. The next big fantasy thing at gmail.com. Five minute video. Why you think that you should be included. And yeah, I figured probably like around like 4th of July weekend, maybe we'll have our, uh, we'll have our top 12, right? Well, I'll accept submissions right up until the last moment. Last possible. Yeah, I, would think, I would think another couple weeks, we should be ready to, uh, to list them out. And like I said, I'm going to reiterate, like be creative, show us, why show us some of your chops man if, if it's video editing do that if it's interviews show us something you know even if it's a even if it's a mock interview with one of your friends just have fun with it don't don't do it while you're driving to work don't do it while you're sitting on the toilet well i don't know i might be interested now and that might be funny um just keep it clean keep it from the neck up if you're sitting on the toilet um <laughs> just just be interesting be creative uh Show us why you're you're different than than the rest. And at the end of the day, man, you're gonna you're gonna be able to build your brand. Um, your brand is gonna grow larger, uh, an organic following that, that people are gonna people are gonna get on board. And 
I picture it's like American Idol. You said even if you don't win, you still got a chance of making something. A lot of those people that that did better coming off of American Idol were the ones that didn't win. They still got contracts. They still made a bunch of money. So, yeah. I mean, you don't have to win to to show yourself and to show what your worth is. So, just if you feel like doing it, I mean, if you really want this, get out there and do it. You're making a mistake not doing it. Hundred percent. All right. Well. Michael, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time to hang out here, talk a little, let me let me rip on your Mets for a little bit, talk a little football. But more importantly, man, thank you so much again for bringing the next big fantasy thing uh, to to bring me in as a, as a part of it, man. I'm I'm humbled, I'm honored, I'm really really just fucking looking forward to uh, to working together, man. Yeah, same here. I was I was super stoked after that conversation too because I knew it was a good idea. But you know, sometimes you need validation, and then to hear how excited you were about it kind of even even pushed me even even further. I was just I've I've been way more excited about it than I ever was. So I think it's great. I think it's going to be a fantastic thing, and it's something we could we could even grow bigger in the future once this once it starts taking off. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's what we're definitely looking forward to. No doubt about it. The sky's the limit for this project. It's really like this, this is, this is going to be big. This, this show is going to be big. You winning this show will be even bigger. So how about that? So it's all moving in the right direction, but that's going to do it for us here today on the Andy up podcast. I'd like to thank my guest again, uh, Michael edge, uh, follow him on the old Twitter machine at fantasy fb stoner um a great follow and i'll tell you what if you're fake he'll call you out on your stupid shit so (laughs) which makes him an even better follow that's the jersey in me that's the people have this common misconception that just because i'm a stoner i'm supposed to be super laid back but you know i'm from jersey so there's there's a balance there it's the yin and the yang right the yin and the yang no doubt about it all right well michael thank you so much man really appreciate that again thank you all to listening uh thanks for liking and subscribing this is the Annie up podcast i'm howard bender and we'll catch you next time